0: I'm Pastor Gerald Rico, and this message is a part of our online ministry here at River of Life in Menominee, Wisconsin. To find out more about us, please visit our website, riveroflife.co. Again, that is riveroflife.co. But for now, prepare your heart and enjoy this message. Now, I'm not sure if I'm supposed to say this as a pastor, but uh, happy Halloween. Is that okay? Can I, can I say that? I mean, I, I know this is not necessarily a day we're supposed to be celebrating, but at the same time, I, I think that we can still redeem anything. Like, we, we shouldn't give any day to the enemy, right? We, we should just we should believe that God wants to use today as much as any other day to allow His light to shine. And, and so, so, Happy Halloween. I was planning on dressing up, but uh, my wife told me no. So, uh, you, you can thank her that I didn't come as something weird. But uh, but yeah, so uh, we, we are glad that you're here today, that you chose to use part of your holiday to uh, be here with us. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we gave away all 1,000 pieces of candy that we bought um, on Friday. So like I, I bought extra bags hoping like, okay, we're gonna have some extra to give away today. No, the kids were, uh, they're too cute. We just kept giving them candy. So, uh, so, so we're completely out of candy today. So uh, no, no treats, hopefully no tricks either, but, uh, but we're glad that you are here. We, um, and just in the spirit of uh, the day, again, we don't want to honor the things most people honor on this day, but I did want to have a little bit of fun. And so we are in the middle of a series, actually at the end of a series, where we've been looking at communion. And we've been looking at it from a couple of different lenses. The first week we looked at the history of behind communion in the sense that why why did Jesus use the Passover meal to institute communion? And so we looked at Israel, and we looked at how during that celebration of Passover, it it was looking back at the blood that was put on the doorposts. It was looking back on God's deliverance of the people that when the death angel passed over Egypt... God completely spared the Israelites because they trusted in the blood they had placed on their doorposts. And so we saw that and we saw the powerful imagery that we sometimes miss when we look at communion that Jesus was using as the backdrop. And so last week we looked at Jesus and we looked at how he used this meal, this special meal to help institute this new covenant. In that by taking some of the old elements he infused new life in it. And so today, I want to look at a subject I am calling blood feuds. Now, I'm not talking about the Hatfields and the McCoys or, or anything like that. That's, you know, in America, that's probably the most famous blood feud. Um, actually, I want, I want to take a look today at the fact that this idea of communion has become so divisive. I think it's, it's pretty sad when we recognize this act, this institution of the church of communion, something that was designed to unite us has caused so much division through the years. People have fought and killed each other over how they viewed communion. I, I, just, think, I just think that's outrageous. You know, the... When, when everything was going down with Luther and him breaking away from the church, there was just all of these different views. And I, I, I'm not going to bore you with a lot of church history or a lot of big words like traducianism and, and different things like that. that uh, but, but there was just these big fights over whether the blood and, and flesh really became blood and flesh like when you, when you were taking the elements. There's people who still believe that today. And there's people who believe, no, it doesn't become actual blood or actual flesh, but that God's Spirit fills the bread, fills the cup, as if it's really blood. And then there's people, and I'll just let you know, this is our tradition. We believe that it's a symbol. In the same way Jesus was using it as a symbol that night, it remains a symbol. But it doesn't matter what you believe all of us have to recognize there is something powerful that was meant to happen. That whether or not God's presence actually infuses the elements, His presence was meant to infuse us. When when we were coming together, we were supposed to be receiving so much of His Spirit during this process that it doesn't really matter what's happening with the elements. What really matters is what's happening with us. And, And so... It's crazy because all the way into the first century, there was already beginning to be problems. There was already beginning to be people confusing what this meal was meant to be, what this act of communion was intended for. You see, this was so powerful. You got to recognize this. So many times, I don't know how many of you grew up around church. I don't know how many of you grew up with the the fun sayings that we all learned in church. One of the sayings is that we we believe it because the Bible tells us so. And, And here's the truth. The early church couldn't say that. Because much of what they believed hadn't been canonized as the Bible. As a matter of fact, we didn't have the New Testament fully canonized until about 200 AD. And so for the first 200 years, they weren't saying, well, the Bible says, the Bible says. I mean, they may have had fragments and they may have talked about stuff, but a lot of historians really believe it was this gathering together, having communion more often than once a year, but having sometimes weekly, sometimes daily acts of communion that was solidifying what people believed. And it was so much so that Paul, someone who wasn't even one of the apostles, he wasn't even in the room when this act of communion was instituted. As he went out and he planted churches, he made sure they understood this is a a central feature. That you can't have church without communion. You can't have the unity without the remembrance. And so this was something that he made sure every church he went to understood. Every church he went to practiced communion. But one of his churches got a little crazy. It's this church in a town called Corinth. And Corinth was just, everything wicked you can think of was happening in Corinth. Like, it would have been kind of like the modern day Las Vegas. You know, just anything you can think of it was just wild there you know, as a matter of fact it was it was a it was an insult to call someone well, well you're a corinthian you know like it was it was just a like it was basically saying you're a heathen you're 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 the worst kind of sinner if you're a corinthian but god's spirit broke through and paul planted this powerful church but the church got a little sideways when it came to the idea of celebrating communion and so, blood feuds sparked up. They began to quarrel and, and cause divisions, and Paul got pretty upset. Like, when you read the book of Corinthians, there's some, there's some encouragements in there, there's some, there's some chastisements that he puts in there, but this one, he seems pretty angry that they're using communion to divide the community rather than unite it. And so I want to read this passage that we're going to recognize that, again, we looked at the past, we looked at how Jesus instituted it, now we look at moving forward. What are we supposed to be doing? How are we supposed to be carrying this forward until Jesus returns? And so I want to read for us 1 Corinthians chapter 11. I'm going to start reading at verse 20 and then we'll go through 26 at this reading. And I'll be reading today out of the New Living. Actually, why don't we stand for the honoring of God's word? Again, we're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 20 through 26. And this is how it reads out of the New Living translation. When you meet together, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. What? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this. For I pass on to you what I received from the Lord himself. On the night that he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks for it. To God. Then he broke it into pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he took the cup of wine after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. For every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again.
1: Let me pray for us. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you for your words.
0: We thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for giving us communion. That through it, we have the opportunity to remember Holy Spirit, today as we look at your word, illuminate it to our hearts. Help it to speak to us. Help us to see things in a familiar story that may be brand new to us. That we could live differently. That we could live united through the practice of communion. We love you so much, Jesus, and we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. Why don't you turn and wave at a few people? Let them know you're excited to be worshiping with them. If you're on Facebook or on our live chat, let us know you're here. Let us know where you're worshiping from.
1: Excited that all of you are
0: here today. And and so, again, looking at this, here's the situation. The church, as I mentioned, was doing things a little crazy. They had instituted communion into this thing that they called the love feast and that they were gathering together to have these feasts together in their homes and they were supposed to be doing communion as a part of that. But what was happening was they were the rich people were kind of coming over to one side and they were, they were eating all their food together over here and the poorer people were over here and they didn't have as much food and so the rich people are over here getting drunk and, and overeating, and the poor people are over here just wondering why they were invited into the room. And, and so it was causing division, it was causing issues, and it was causing all of this contention over what communion was meant to be. And so Paul's saying, You call that communion, you say you're getting together for the Lord's Supper, but you're not. And so a couple of things that I want us to see, because we want to make sure that we are coming with the right attitude when it comes to communion. And so the first thing that I see happening here in this story is I see blood poisoning. I see that they were, they were coming together in what was supposed to be a celebration of what Christ had done, but there was poisoning going on. They, they, were, they were messing up this thing that was supposed to be sacred. And honestly, I really think it's this passage here that has probably caused some of the biggest issues, some of the biggest divides. Because we look here and we see these guys got it wrong. So in our effort to try to get it right, we put up parameters and we put up institutions and we say it has to be done this way or it has to be done by this person. And I think sometimes we put up unintentional barriers. And there continues to be this poisoning, this, this concept of, well, if it's not done this way, it's not really done right. And so let's, let's see how they got it wrong, and let's see if we can maybe learn from it. And so the first thing I see, I'm just going back to what we read in verses 20 and 21. It says, when you meet together, you're not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you, hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry, And others get drunk. So again, it's just this crazy scene. They're supposed to be having church and there's division. They're they're not connecting with one another. They're, They're turning it into a status party. And it's so bad, the poisoning goes so deep that God's actually starting to judge the church. They're in Corinth over it. In verses 29 and 30, Paul goes on to write, For if you eat this bread or drink this cup without honoring the body of Christ, you are eating and drinking God's judgment upon yourself. That is why many of you are sick and weak, and some have even died. So here we see it was serious enough that there was something happening. We don't know the extent. We don't know what was happening in full. But Paul is saying some of you are dying because of God's judgment. And so, again, we look at that, and that, that, that causes us to go, okay, we need to take this a little bit more seriously. And that's where we get some of these divisions, because people are like, okay, we want to make sure we do it seriously, and so we're, we want to make sure only the right people are taking communion, and only the right people are administering communion. And, and, and so there, there's just this concept that we want to honor the Lord's body. We want to honor what's happening. But just that word body, we have to recognize there can be a little bit deeper understanding than just the bread, the wafer that we celebrate this with. And so the truth is, actually, there's a body count in Corinth. There, there, there's a few bodies found. The word body in Greek means soma, or, or soma is the Greek word that's used in the Greek here. It's found about... About 180 times in the New Testament, most often it just means this this body. The interesting thing is, over 40 times, 45 times, the word soma is used in 1 Corinthians. So a fourth of the references in the whole New Testament is just here. But Paul doesn't always just mean a physical body. And he, he institutes some things that we still use today because of the way he used this word. So the first thing that we do see is that he is concerned about your body. And so there's, in in chapter 6, he goes on and says, your body is a part of Christ. Your body is Christ's body. In 15 and 16, he says, don't you realize that your bodies are actually part of Christ? Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? He's saying, you guys are, you, your bodies are Christ's body. And the context there is, so don't get involved in immorality. Don't, don't join yourselves to immoral things because your body reflects. If you are calling yourself a Christian, if you're calling yourself a follower of Christ, you cannot connect yourself with immoral things. And so the second body that he talks about in Corinth is the church. So your church. This church is the body of Christ as well. And he goes on into chapter 12 and says, Yes, we are many parts, but only one body. All of you together are Christ's body. And each of you is a part of it. And the whole context of that chapter is making sure we're staying unified. It, the thing is... We, we don't want a bunch of people, like he talks about some people are feet, some people are eyes, some people are hands. And, and even though we're on Halloween today, we don't want a bunch of body parts just moving around independent of each other in this place. You know what happens when body parts get separated? You no longer have a body, you have a corpse. And that's what happens to the church when we separate from each other, when we try to live individual lives apart from what God's trying to do together with us. That's why we really encourage you to get connected with each other, have hospitality, meet in each other's homes, get to know each other. I mean, this is a part of what it means to be the church. And the last inference that he makes to body is this inference of communion. The Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks for it. and broke it into pieces and said, This is my body. So, the act of communion, the representation of the bread, was supposed to be a part of Christ's body too. So, all of a sudden, there's a little different, maybe deeper meaning when we read these words in verse 29 again. For if you eat and drink the cup without honoring the body of Christ...
1: Which body is he talking about? You think he's really talking about the bread?
0: You think he's really talking about well, if you don't honor the body, like if you eat the bread in the wrong way, or if the wrong person gives you the piece of bread, or if you eat the wrong the bread near the wrong person. I think, in context, it has a lot more to do with what are you doing personally. What are you bringing into the room personally? What, what are you doing with the people next to
1: you? Are you living in a way that honors the body? And if not,
0: that's when judgment starts to fall. And that's why I don't believe it has to be a special person with a special dress or a special hat or a special blessing to pray over an offering the earliest instances of this were people meeting together daily in their own homes. We need to be doing this more often. We don't need to be waiting for a special time or a special week for us to do this. We should be doing this together as often as we can. That when we get together, over coffee, at someone's home, enjoying a Thanksgiving meal together, we can have communion wherever we're at. as long as we're honoring the body. We're honoring the unity he's asked us to have. We're honoring the integrity he's asked us to carry. Which brings me to the next idea, which is blood purity. That we should be looking at the purity of what we are doing. And by blood purity, of course, I'm not talking about Harry Potter and wizard lines or anything like that. Um, We want to make sure that we are bringing the right purity. I'm also not talking about your DNA. I mean, that's just, I, I don't think race or anything like that matters when it comes to understanding. I just, I recently did one of those uh, DNA tests, and I was fascinated, because like for years, I thought I was, you know, primarily German, and I guess I got a lot of that in, but it turns out I have a little bit more of other things I wasn't expecting, you know, and so um, that, that's just kind of a, it's kind of a fun thing to, to see that, but even that, It's not what we need to be focused on. We need to be focused on the fact that when Jesus instituted this, the focus, the purity was meant to be on him. We are supposed to be remembering what he did. How he wanted us to live. That he said that if we we are his friends, if we are truly his followers, we're going to do what he says to do. We're going to obey his commands. And so... That's why in verse 25, it says in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant between God and his people, an agreement confirmed with my blood. Do this in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. And so the covenant was meant to be a covenant. It was meant to be something we were saying, we're going to, take this blood, we're going to remember this act because we're choosing to obey. We're choosing to obey what Christ has called us to obey. And it's really these words Jesus is taking and he's reappropriating something from the Old Testament. We, we talked about the Exodus. We talked about how God freed the people of Israel, how they left Egypt, but then they became a whole new nation. And in that process, God sanctified them and God set them apart and he instituted a new covenant with them and he gave them laws that they were to follow and then there was this huge ceremony where they stood around at the beginning of that covenant being revealed and we read this story of how God sealed that covenant in Exodus 24 verses 7 and 8 talking about Moses he says then he took the book of the covenant read it aloud to the people. Again, they all responded, we will do everything the Lord has commanded. We will obey. Then Moses took the blood from the basins and splattered it over the people, declaring, look, this blood confirms the covenant the Lord has made with you in giving you these instructions. Doesn't that sound exactly like what Jesus just said? This blood is given for you to seal the covenant. In other words, if you're taking this, you're saying, I'm going to obey what Christ has called me to obey. I'm going to do what Christ has called you to do. I'm not going to live like I used to live. One of Jesus' closest friends, Peter, goes on to say, you guys used to have some messed up lives. But, you're going to live differently now if you're going to take this blood. In, verse, in 1 Peter 1 18 and 19, he says, For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from your empty life, which you inherited from your ancestors. So, right there, he's saying, The only thing you have to look forward to to your bloodline is the empty life you were handed down. But now we have something different. He says, And it was not paid, you you were ransomed, and it was not paid with mere gold or silver which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ, the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. So we were ransomed to live differently. And we were ransomed by God's own blood. Which brings me to my last idea, and that's just this, blood pressure. That we... We have this pressure on us to have communion, but to make sure we're doing it in the right way. And again, like I said, I don't think we need to get wrapped up in procedure as much as we need to get wrapped up in are we living lives that honor Him? And I understand that's partially why some churches limit it to members. That way they can say, if you're a member of our church, you can have communion because we, we've, we've, we're watching you. You know, like... One of those weird, creepy people. We're watching you, so, so we know you. But and, and there's some validity in that, and I understand that. We practice an open communion because we're trusting you to honor your commitment to Christ. I mean, if you're not a Christian, I, I think it would be a good idea not to take communion because this is supposed to be a symbol to the unbelieving world that we are remembering Christ. And so... That, that's usually the only stipulation that I, I like to put on there is that you should be a believer. But other than that, you don't have to be a member of our church. You, this could be your first Sunday here at our church. As long as you're someone who's saying, I want to honor Christ, you can, you can have communion with us. But we are to examine ourselves, and that's one of the things that Paul does say. In verse 28, he says, that is why you should examine yourselves before eating the bread and drinking the cup. And so we should take a moment and consider, God, am I living in unity? Am I living in holiness? Am I honoring your body by living a life that's hurting myself? Am I honoring your body, or dishonoring your body, I should say, by being in disunity with your church? That's why we take some moments and examine ourselves, because we want to make sure... We're not just doing this out of ritual. We're not just doing this because we did this last Sunday or we we did this last month or because this is what we always do. But we're, we're, we're taking it seriously. We're using it as an opportunity to allow Christ to change us. And then he goes on and says why we need to examine ourselves. He says, but if we will examine ourselves, we will not be judged by God in this way. Yet, when we are judged by the Lord, we are being disciplined so that we will not be condemned along with the world. In other words, he's saying, judge yourself so God doesn't discipline you. But even if you are disciplined, don't get upset. God's doing it to try to bring you back to a right standing so that you don't have to feel the full weight. It's kind of interesting. I I felt this inclination back before we started the series, to take some time and focus specifically on communion. I, I didn't realize that at the time, but one of my favorite authors, uh, Francis Chan, he actually, this month, has been doing the same thing with his church. And so I was actually able to listen to what he preached the last few Sundays on the idea of communion. And I felt like stealing one of, it, one of his points because I thought it was really good, and I feel like it fits in right here. I, and I can, I can totally validate what he's saying about Chinese food. Like Francis Chan, if you're not familiar with him, he's an American-Chinese uh, pastor. Um, he, he has a strong heritage there. And he's saying that if you go to most Chinese restaurants in the United States, most of the stuff you find there, you will not find in China. Like, if you go to China and eat over there, it's a totally different cuisine. Every time I went any place when I was there, I, I, I was there a few different times. Every time I went and, and, like, there was a meal set in front of a bunch of us Americans, there would be their normal Chinese food, and then there would always be this one dish. And they'd look at us and go, Kung Pao Chicken! American's favorite, and, and, because it was the only thing that kind of tastes like something you could find from China Buffet, you know, and, and honestly, I hated it. Like, uh, they, they didn't even do that the way Americans, they, they put this weird spice in there that would numb your tongue. And so I was like, okay, I don't want the Kung Pao chicken, give me the real stuff. And, and so Francis is talking about how when, when he goes and he travels, because he does that often, he'll be in a community, and you're like, do you have any good Chinese food here? And, and often they're like, well, we've got a Panda Express, you know, nothing at Panda Express is authentic Chinese. And, and so he talked about going to one and getting one of these, a, a crab rangoon or a, a cream cheese wonton. He said, this is the epitome of anti-Chinese food. Like, I mean, if you go, I love them, I'll, just, I'll put that out there. But I recognize when I'm eating them, this isn't real Chinese. I mean, it's kind of offensive because most Chinese people are lactose intolerant. And so we, we say, oh, this is good Chinese food. And most of them, I, I never once, never once went to a Chinese restaurant in China and was asked, Do you, would you like a fried you know, cheese in a wonton? Like that, that was never presented to me one time.
1: How sad would it be if
0: someone tried one of these they are like, ugh, that's disgusting. I don't like Chinese food. I, I, I don't ever want to eat at a Chinese
1: restaurant, ever. They're, they're not even eating the real thing. How many people have you met, if you're anything like me, it's probably a few, who said, I've tried church. I've tasted that. I, I, don't, I don't want anything to do with church. But did they taste the real thing?
0: Were they a part of a group of people who took seriously what it is to be the body of Christ? To honor that? You mean to tell me you've tasted the church? You've tasted a church that gathered together regularly, not just on Sunday mornings, but in their homes. You, You tasted a church that cared for one another. That when someone was hurting, they rushed to that person. To help them. You mean you tasted a church where they were gathering together around the Bible and they were excited to learn what the Bible was saying. You mean you, you, you tasted a church where they were seeing signs and wonders and miracles because God's favor was... You tasted that? And the problem is, we keep serving things that look like church, that we can put a sign on our building that says we're a church, But if we're not doing that,
1: that's why there's pressure. That's
0: why there's pressure to make sure we are the church. That we are giving people the real thing. That we are living this out.
1: And so today, as we partake of communion,
0: I really want to encourage you. Examine your heart. If there's something you need forgiveness for, Ask for forgiveness before you partake. Examine the way you treat the people in this room. If there's somebody in this room you've offended or that's offended you, maybe you need to take a moment and make that right before you take communion. But I also wanted to put this extra pressure. Maybe as a pastor I'm not supposed to put pressure on you. I don't know. I always always feel like there's a a delicate balance between pastoring and pestering. Uh, But and so I don't know where I'm falling on this, but I really want you to consider before you take communion,
1: you ask yourself, how committed are you to the unity of this
0: body? How committed are you? And again, if you're not a regular here, please don't, don't hear me say, don't take communion because you don't regularly attend here. But if you do, ask yourself, How committed are you to the unity here? I'm looking around. You guys are awesome people. I love you all. And I believe most of you definitely are.
1: But I also don't know your heart fully. And
0: so I want you to examine yourself and ask yourself, and maybe if there's something off, ask yourself, God, what do you need me to do about that?
1: Because I want us to be the real thing. And I think if we are committed to this act of communion the way that God asks us to be, I think there's power. I think there's transformation power. Matter of fact, I still believe there's power in the blood. I still believe that this is something, I I mean, again, we're,
0: Halloween, all the gore, all the craziness, all the blood. But we'll recognize early church was a little, a lot of people thought they were a little strange how much they focused on blood. People thought they were real cannibals because they talked about how often they were eating flesh and drinking blood. But they did it so much because they believed
1: there was power. They believed there was power in continuing to lift up what Christ had done. So today, let's do that.
0: Let's take some time. Let's examine our own hearts. And let's begin to believe that if we become a people who take this seriously, we're going to start to see more of God's power. Guys, I'm, I am desperate. I'm hungry. I've been praying. I've been fasting. I want to see the power of God displayed in our services. I, more than that, I want to see the power of God displayed outside of our services. I want to see us going out and laying hands on people who are sick and seeing them recover. I want to see us going out and offering hope to people who are hopeless. I want to hear stories about you sharing your life with people who are far from God. And the miracle of new birth takes place.
1: I think a good place to start is that we honor
0: His body and we remember what He's done. So, let's do that this morning. And we're going to do what we've done the last few Sundays, which is not are normal, but I, I want to I wanna end the series doing this. And, and then I'm, I'm praying about, I'm trying to figure, because I, I was really struck as I taught this a couple weeks before, how the early church devoted themselves to this. And do we really devote ourselves to the Lord's Supper? I mean, yeah, prayer, great. Fasting, sure. Meeting together regularly, Yeah. Most of you. Uh, I'm not looking, I'm not naming names. But,
1: but, have we
0: really committed ourselves to this? I don't know. And I don't know how to make that a regular devoted thing. I mean, I, I think just doing it once a, w- a month is okay, but I think it needs to transcend outside of here. And that's why I've often encouraged you. It doesn't matter what you have. You don't have to have these fancy, special, disposable cups. You can, have what, you can use whatever you've got around you. As long, it's, not the, it's not the materials. It's not even the method. It's the meaning in your heart. Are you doing it to remember what Christ
1: has done for you? So, I'm going to pray.
0: And then, in just a moment, the worship team will come up. But first, we're just going to play some soft music. Because I want the worship team to have the opportunity to, to partake without being up here to perform. And so there's going to be some quiet music, and then once they're done, they're going to come up, and we're going to sing a few more songs, and you're welcome to sing along with them, or maybe you need some extra time to examine yourself. I I don't want you to rush through this. If you want to partake of this as a family, get your family together and do that as a family. If you need to reach out to somebody, and you feel like you need to Pray with them and, and share communion with them. Maybe need to come up here a couple of different times and do it a couple of different times with a couple of different people. I don't care. If we run out of cups, we'll go grab more. Let's be a people who honor this. And as I said, the only, the only restriction we put on this, the only thing we want you to consider is if you're not a follower, we, we ask you not to take or take just because we, we believe this is for believers. But right now, if you're not a believer, if you're online or if you're here in this room and, and you don't know Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to make that commitment. And so I'm going I'm to pray a prayer right now for you. So if that's you, I'd encourage you. If you're feeling in your heart you want this thing, you want to taste what church is really about, then I'd encourage you to pray a simple prayer with me. You can use my words, you can use, my, you can use your own. You can say this out loud or you can say this in the quietness of your heart. But I want to encourage you to pray something simple like this. Say something like, Dear Jesus,
1: I believe in you. I believe that you died for me. And I believe that God rose you from the dead. I'm sorry for my sins. For the mistakes I've made. God, I turn away from that old life and I choose to follow the life you've commanded for me. Holy Spirit, fill me. Help me to obey Jesus. Help me to live for him every day. God, I thank you for this new life. Today, I give you all of mine. As I pray this in Jesus'
0: name. Amen. Amen. If you pray that for the first time, please come talk to me or we're going to have some prayer team members up here. In just a minute, you can talk with one of them. If you're online, please reach out to us in some way. Let us know that you're, you've made that commitment. We want to make sure you get the resources you need to live this life of following after Jesus. Well, let's take a moment. I, I know we're getting late in the hour and some of you probably have to get moving, but let's take a, just a moment and reflect and examine. And then when you're ready, you can come and take one of these cups or maybe take one of these cups and go sit and reflect. But let's not hurry through. Let's, even if the worship's up team is up here leading us in worship, don't feel obligated to sing You might need to take some time and reflect.
1: Let's do this in a way that brings honor to God, that allows His body to be honored,
0: both. in In every respect, in the way we take this communion, in the way we treat each other, in the way we live our lives. And if any of that's out of line, take a moment right now and ask God's forgiveness and make a new commitment to follow Him. I'm going to pray over the elements right now, and you partake whenever you need to. Let me just pray a simple prayer. Jesus,
1: we thank you. We thank you that you
0: died so that we could experience what real life is, what real church is, what real community, both with you and others, is supposed to look like. As we
1: remember your body, As we remember your blood, renew our commitment to honor you in every part of our lives. God, we thank you for what you have done for us. We thank you that this morning we get to remember. Bless the bread, bless the cup, bless our hearts.